Hey there, all you soulful seekers and rhythm writers. It's your band leader, Horace Morris, sliding into your groove zone from the heart of the Merkle Treehouse. Today, on this mesmerizing Wednesday, September 20th, 2023, we're going on a journey, a journey inward. I want you to do something with me, something powerful yet beautifully simple. Close your eyes and take a deep breath. Feel that life force filling your lungs. Now hold it for a moment and think about life. Your life, your journey, your unique rhythm in this cosmic symphony. As you exhale, let go of all the distractions, all the noise. Concentrate on your breath, your heartbeat, the very essence of your existence. Inhale, think about it. Exhale, think about it. With each breath, you're getting closer to your own rhythms, the melodies that make you, you. And now, as you find your inner cadence, it's time to introduce the luminary, the guardian of soundness, that groovy chick who's gonna keep the vibe alive, the incredible, the remarkable, Ms. Audrey Merkel. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to this delightful Wednesday. Today, the Federal Open Market Committee is gathering for their September meeting. The big question on everyone's lips is whether the Fed will take a deep breath, signaling a tightening of monetary policy with even higher interest rates, or if they'll finally exhale, indicating they plan for rate drops. Most experts anticipate they'll choose to hold their breath for now and keep rates static. The outcome of this meeting will reverberate through global markets, and if any significant developments occur, rest assured we'll be here to keep you in the know. But for now, let's shift our focus to Chapter 2 of Pinto Pete's Block Size War. Enjoy the show. Chapter 2. Facing the Enemy Now, wouldn't it have been a real hoot if Satoshi himself had indeed chimed in on that block-size hullabaloo in August of 2015? But from where I'm sitting that email, the one from his VistoMail account, well, it smelled fishier than a catfish in a moonlit pond. You see, there's a known history of his email addresses getting wrangled. There was even one time when a crafty hacker managed to rope in a password reset. Now, if Satoshi aimed to make a point, I reckon he'd do it with one of them known keys he used before. Seems more his style, don't it? But truth be told, what's it all worth anyway? With all this ruckus over what Satoshi's true vision was, the man had already hightailed it out of the Bitcoin corral. And times, well, they had changed since then. So why fuss over his vision anyhow? At this juncture in the unfolding Bitcoin drama, the large blockers seemed to hold the upper hand. Virtually everyone across the Bitcoin landscape was echoing the need for some form of block size increase. Even notable figures like Adam Back, inventor of the Bitcoin mining algorithm and co-founder of Blockstream, was advocating for a moderate block size expansion. My personal preference for a kind of compromise block size increase strategy for the short term is to start at 2 megabytes, so like a 248, so start at 2 megabytes and greater 4 megabytes over 2 years and 8 megabytes over a total of 4 years and then we can reevaluate how a bunch of stuff has played out in terms of you know what's bandwidth doing 
what's the decentralization health of the network at that point, and how have uh, scaling technologies like Lightning and other, tra other things and extensibility frameworks, how have they played out in practice? But there were still small blocker holdouts, like Bitcoin Core developer and fellow Blockstream co-founder Gregory Maxwell. You see, Gregory, he was a true blue Bitcoin wrangler, a developer with grit and gumption. When it came to that block size squabble, he was as steadfast as a lone oak in a Texas storm. I reckon he was less willing to make concessions than a bull in a china shop. Now, old Gregory, he was a bright spark, sharper than a cactus needle. Seemed to me like he had a grip on just about everything Bitcoin touched. From computing wizardry to the secret spells of cryptography, from the dance of game theory to the jingle of incentives, he knew the lay of the land like no other. Some folks even took to calling him the Bitcoin wizard or One Meg Greg because he held tight to that smaller block belief. He saw Bitcoin's development like a high-stakes scientific experiment, a complex puzzle with more twists and turns than a river canyon. It was all about them tricky technical trade-offs, and he was there to wrangle them. In the battlefront we stood when their fiercest charge they made. Pulling in a car analogy, you have a pit crew that just added hardened pistons, closed-loop anti-knock sensing fuel-air mixture control nitrous, and recently invented and is planning on building the turbocharger. While they're busily debating compression ratios and high-octane fuel, and the seeming impossibility of getting the car to safely go much faster with the current state of technology, you have a guy standing on the sidelines with a beer cup hat saying, no problem guys, let's remove the brakes, and the crowd goes wild. Finally, someone who cares about speed, Gregory Maxwell, posted to the Bitcoin subreddit, August 18th, 2015. Amidst the backdrop of an impending network schism, the small blockers voiced their apprehensions about a looming fee market death spiral. Their argument hinged on the belief that the one megabyte cap played a pivotal role in nurturing a competitive fee market. This was of paramount importance due to the Bitcoin issuance rate halving approximately every four years. As the supply of newly minted Bitcoin dwindled, miners would increasingly rely on transaction fees to sustain their network securing efforts. Conversely, the large blockers remained steadfast in their quest for an increase. Bolstered by the support of a significant Bitcoin contingent, they championed the cause for expansion. Among their ranks was Roger Ver, a figure who would ascend to prominence within the large blocker camp. As one of Bitcoin's early investors and, quite possibly, the first backer of Bitcoin-related enterprises, Ver's fervor for Bitcoin earned him the moniker Bitcoin Jesus. His evangelistic zeal knew no bounds as he tirelessly promoted the virtues of Bitcoin. If every one megabyte block were always full, it would take over 55 years to fill my new hard drive. Let's raise the block size limit. Roger Veer, posted to Twitter, August 4th, 2015. As August faded into September, a shadow of adversity descended upon those who had embraced Bitcoin XT. It was during these days that users running Bitcoin XT nodes found themselves besieged by a relentless onslaught of denial-of-service attacks. Mike Hearn, creator of Bitcoin XT, would later assert that these attacks had successfully vanquished nearly a third of the Bitcoin XT nodes. Yet, a curious facet of this tumultuous chapter was the absence of concrete evidence corroborating these attacks beyond the accounts of Reddit users. 
The veracity of these claims remained a subject of debate, adding yet another layer of complexity to the escalating conflict. The Bitcoin XT client faced intensified scrutiny as the community unearthed a controversial element within its code base, a feature widely labeled as a blacklist by its critics. This code held a specific purpose, the identification and targeting of Tor exit nodes. Advocates of this approach argued that it served as a safeguard against potential denial of service attacks. However, this measure bore consequences beyond its intended purpose. The inclusion of such code raised concerns on multiple fronts. Detractors contended that it represented a centralized approach as it maintained a predefined list of IP addresses and relied on a central server for updates. This centralization was viewed as a potential vulnerability, susceptible to misuse or exploitation. Furthermore, the code's implications extended to privacy concerns potentially unveiling the geographical location of a Bitcoin XT node operating through the Tor anonymity network. The revelation of this controversial code further fueled the fires of discord within the Bitcoin community. As the block size war raged on, a glimmer of hope emerged in the form of two pivotal scaling Bitcoin conferences. These gatherings held the promise of facilitating face-to-face -face discussions and potentially finding common ground among the warring factions. The inaugural Scaling Bitcoin Conference rode into Montreal like a whirlwind on September 12th and 13th of 2015. Now this weren't no ordinary shindig, this was a powwow for the brightest minds in computer science to wrestle with the beast that is Bitcoin scalability. You see, small blockers saw this conference as their chance to holler loud and clear about being cautious when it came to scaling things up. But on the flip side, there were the large blockers who wanted to crank up that block size pronto, like a bull bursting out the gate. To them, this conference felt like the small blockers were just dragging their boots in the mud. Now, it weren't all sunshine and rainbows at this conference, partner. Large blockers started calling it Stalling Bitcoin, and that name sure stuck. It was like a branding iron on the height of the Bitcoin community, marking the deep divide between these two camps. Every tick of the clock made folks more anxious for some sort of resolution, because the urgency was hanging in the air like a storm cloud. A few months later, the second phase of the Scaling Conference series unfolded in the vibrant city of Hong Kong on December 6th and 7th, 2015. Hong Kong's selection as the venue was strategic, given its proximity to China, home to a significant number of Bitcoin miners. This conference exuded a livelier atmosphere compared to its Montreal predecessor, signaling the escalating stakes in the ongoing block size war. Now at this Hong Kong shindig, most miners they reckoned they held the reins of this here Bitcoin network. They thought it was their call to make, but they had a hankering for more information. They weren't sure if they were steering this ship in the right direction. On the flip side, the smaller blockers, they had a different tune playing. They didn't believe them miners should be the ones calling the shots when it came to the Bitcoin rules. They thought it was the end users who should be calling the tune controlling the whole shebang. They argued that proof of work was there to stop double spending and all them miners did was decide which way the wind blew through the transaction prairie. The miners though, they stood tall and proud. 
They said they had real skin in the game, real money on the line, and they were the ones churning out blocks. In their eyes, that gave them real power over this here network. As for the developers, well, they didn't hold as much sway, at least in the miners' reckoning. Seemed like most folks at the conference were singing the same tune, saying that venturing beyond that two-megabyte mark was just too darn risky for the time being. Now, after this here showdown, things got muddier than a Texas rainstorm. There weren't no clear trail ahead, but one thing was plumb clear. Bitcoin XT, well, it was like a ghost town. With an 8-megabyte limit, its days were surely numbered. To them smaller blockers, Bitcoin XT was like a rattlesnake in the henhouse, stirring up trouble, causing a ruckus that made it harder than a three-legged coyote to make any headway on this block-size matter. But to them larger blockers, well, it was like a spark to a powder keg, the necessary jolt to get this here debate rolling. On the second day of the Scaling Bitcoin Conference in Hong Kong, it was here that Bitcoin developer Peter Wula, previously rebuffed by both the small and large blockers for his proposal of a gradual block size increase, took the stage to introduce a groundbreaking concept known as segregated witness. Wula's presentation marked a seismic shift in the ongoing debate, catching the big blockers off guard and putting them on the defensive. Segregated witness, often referred to as segwit, would go on to reshape the landscape of the block size war, introducing a new dimension to the discussion and raising fresh questions about the future of Bitcoin scalability. We hope you thoroughly enjoyed Chapter 2 of Pinto Pete's Block Size War. Be sure to mark your calendars for next Wednesday, where we'll unveil the next thrilling chapter in this pivotal saga. Wait, Audrey, I have something to say to the folks out there. Ladies and gentlemen, Morton Anger's campaign manager, Vinny the sales guy. I've got some news that's been keeping me up at night. You know, folks, we reached out to Mark Cuban, thinking he might just be the perfect running mate for Morton Anger. But, well... We haven't heard from him yet. Maybe he's busy with his Shark Tank investments, who knows. But here's the thing. We can't wait around forever. This campaign is picking up steam, and we need someone who's ready to join us on this journey. Someone who believes in the power of Bitcoin, in financial freedom, and in putting regular folks first. So, I'm here to tell you, yes, you, that we're opening the door wide for you to be Morton Anger's running mate. That's right. We're looking for someone who's passionate, who's ready to roll up their sleeves, and who's willing to fight for the future we all deserve. Now, I know you might be thinking, me, a running mate? But let me tell you, my friend, this is your chance to make a real difference. Whether you're a privacy expert, a champion of financial freedom, or just someone who believes in Morton's message, we want to hear from you. Go to isupportmort.com right now and fill out that application. Tell us why you're the right person to stand by Morton's side, to help us spread the word about Bitcoin, and to fight for the future of our country. So, don't wait. Don't hesitate. Head over to isupportmort.com and let's make history together. Join us 
Be a part of this movement, and let's show the world what it means to stand up for what's right. Together, we can change the course of our future, and it starts with you. Grazie mille, my very good friends. Thank you, Vinny. A final thought. Irrespective of the Fed's decision today, and regardless of market responses, let's be grateful for our ability to perceive these intricate Federal Reserve maneuvers for what they truly are, a kind of financial theater. Inhale, reflect on it. Exhale, reflect on it. And then naturally continue stacking those precious sats. And with that, episode 60 of the Merkle Treehouse comes to a close. Join us every Sunday and Wednesday for the absolute best in Bitcoin mindshare. In the meantime, keep your money hard, your heart soft, and have a little fun sometimes. Blow the doors off, fellas. Hello there. I'm award-nominated actor Chuck Chambers. You may know me as Bob from the hit sitcom Securely Connected with Alice and Bob. If you are enjoying the Merkle Treehouse, please do us a favor and spread the word. A like, follow, and or share means the world to us. Thank you.